welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. I'm your host, Andy Schneider, also known as Tata. I'm so excited for you all to listen to today's podcast with Lauren Klein, the founder of Zen Hippo. A few things that we discuss in today's podcast include her history with Teach for America, her background in education, working with the Department of Education, and really how she implements what she learned in New York City and brought it down to Palm Beach. She has this incredible space which focuses on ages zero to three years old. And each of her classes has a goal. She has talking with Tata, but she also has nature classes, cooking, music, Spanish classes, and really is trying to improve just the community of mothers, education, and giving people this safe space just to socialize and learn. She has speaker series on weekends as well, and I will let her explain a little bit more to you, but I find that you're going to learn a lot about just education in general and how everything is impacted by the environment your child is in. There's a real mindfulness to it. There's real theory involved Mm -hmm. and a lens that's very specific to early childhood. As a reminder, each week we are going to have Tata's tip of the week. And today's tip of the week is to use visuals when you are speaking with your child. This can start with newborns. This can start at two, three, whatever age you choose to start, the earlier the better. Our brains make connections when using our senses, meaning if they smell something, that is using a connection with the brain. If you see something, touch something. So as speech therapists, our biggest tip is to use a visual in addition to verbalization. What would you like for dinner? Do you want a banana or an apple? Show them both. Obviously, you wouldn't give a banana or an apple for dinner, but if that's the snack or whatever you're choosing, you can show them a chicken versus fish. Show your child the option of a visual. If you are going to visit someone, let's say you're going to visit your parents, show a picture to your child of their grandma and grandpa. We are going to see grandma and grandpa today. Using that visual in addition or supplementary to the verbalization is always going to help language skills. The more input you add, the easier it is to learn new words and language. Again, like I said, using a visual. It could be a picture. It could be a real object. It could even be a toy banana. But whatever you are saying, as much as possible, use a visual in addition. I'm very excited to welcome Lauren Klein, the founder of Zen Hippo in Palm Beach. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Andy. Of course. Lauren is a mom of three, a teacher, a social worker, certified educator of infant massage, and you have over 15 years of working with children and families. Creeping up on two decades. Yes. Wow. Um, So Zen Hippo is a collection of local experts offering talks, classes, for expecting and new parents, correct? Correct. Okay, so you cover caregivers, babies, toddlers. What are the ages that your classes run? So we welcome children ages zero to three, and we decided to really focus on that age because we found there was a real gap there. By around two, we see many kids starting to go to preschool. Some don't go until three. We also have lots of homeschooling parents. Mm -hmm. But we felt that that's the time period where first, families feel really alone Mm -hmm. oftentimes because it's such a big transformation from going to not having a family to having a family, but also because they're just wasn't anything around. Yeah, I feel like people leave the hospital, you have a newborn, and you get home and you say, now what? I don't know what to do. So it seems as though you're offering people this place to either be educated, meet other people, socialize, let their children socialize. Mm -hmm. Um, You're kind of allowing it all. 
So before we get into Zen Hippo and why you started that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You're from New York, so what led you down to Florida? So I'm born and raised in New York, and I very much thought I was a lifelong New Yorker, but we decided to, we were fortunate enough to ride out COVID in Florida. And after a few months there, feeling a bit detached from our lives mm -hmm. in New York, we decided to make a more permanent move and it's been very good for our family. At the time we had two kids and little did we know we were going to have a third, which was really exciting. Wow. And when I had her, I it was almost like becoming a, a new parent again. Mm -hmm. So after I had her, I was looking for programming to mm -hmm. keep us engaged, to give her opportunities to socialize. I was very lucky because I knew many families who had had their second or third baby. Mm -hmm. So it was naturally bringing together that group of moms or caregivers together weekly at my own home. Mm -hmm. But I felt very passionately about making sure that other families in the Palm Beach area had that. And you asked a little bit about my career before. I started out with Teach for America. I worked in a middle school classroom with children who did and did not have disabilities. And I taught for a whole bunch of years. What did you teach? I taught middle school special education, reading, writing, history, math. Oh, wow. Sort of you name it. The first <laughs> couple of years, it kind of stuck me in a closet with my 12 students and were like, figure this out. Mm -hmm. And it was very much a sink or swim situation. But for me, that was great because I really learned a tremendous amount. And I caught the education bug and couldn't leave after that. So for people who don't know, can you explain a little bit about what Teach for America is? Yeah. So Teach for America is sort of like an alternate certification process. Mm -hmm. So maybe undergrads who didn't study education and were maybe even saw their careers going in a really different direction, commit to teaching two years in an under-resourced school somewhere around the country. Teach okay. for America now also has Teach for All, so they're operating in countries around the world. Mm -hmm. But I taught in the South Bronx, just a couple of miles from where I grew up, and I also went to public schools, but I was lucky enough to go to a public school that was well-resourced, and, you know, in New York, unfortunately, geography is destiny. So mm -hmm. that school needed a lot of support, and I ended up staying for five years, and Teach for America puts you in a, a master's program for education, so I really was able to hone in my skills, and wow. once I was there, I was like, I'm never leaving this space. I yeah. wound up going for social work and continuing my career in public policy and family engagement. Wow. So, so you I was, started as an educator, teacher, and now, and then social worker. I started as a teacher while I was teaching both general and special education students. Uh, I earned my master's in education. Then I went back and earned a master's in social work because so much of I, what I was doing was mental health related. Mm -hmm. I was working with related service providers like yourselves, lots of speech and language therapists, school psychologists, and I felt that I really needed to sharpen that tool set. Mm -hmm. I worked in ed tech for a little while, did wow. lots of curriculum writing, and then ultimately went back to public policy because I felt that so much of the challenges that my school faced were not unique to my school, but really New York City-wide. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have a seat at the policy table and really have an opportunity to interact with families citywide, mm -hmm. um, particularly families of kids with disabilities. So I, I stayed with the New York City Department of Ed for a long while. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know them about you, so that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And the really lovely thing is that I was there full-time before I had my first daughter, mm -hmm. and I was going to city council meetings and community education council meetings, and it was just, like, very demanding, which mm -hmm. was great before I had kids. But then, of course, I had my daughter, who I thought I would go back to work and then realize it was impossible to leave her, mm -hmm. and I ended up coming back as a consultant and was able to continue with them for many years. Wow. Okay. And yeah. are you bringing any of that to Palm Beach now? So tell us about maybe just the school systems and your passion for, in New York and how you're really bringing it down to Florida. 
So New York City is the largest school district in the country. Mm -hmm. It's super complex. I work specifically with a special education office. About 200,000 kids in New York City have IEPs. So it's it's nearly or an, an IEP, I'll back up, is mm -hmm. an individualized education program. So it means they have a recognized disability and receive some supports and services in like school. Like speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational. Things like that, yes. Yeah. I think what I realized from being a teacher and also becoming a new mom is just so hard, how hard it is. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. There's so much inside baseball. There's so much new language. The learning curve is so steep for yeah. parents, especially for parents with kids with disabilities. And what I did as a consultant and also as an employee there was try to really bridge that gap. I, I created tons of parent resources. I completely overhauled our website, put on parent conferences. Yeah. When parents were facing difficulties in their schools, I would work with them and school leaders to try to figure out what was going wrong. And when I became a new parent again in Palm Beach, I was like, wow, this is really hard to go at it alone. Yeah. You know, people need support. People need connection. They need access to local resources. When you have a problem as a new parent, if you can't even find the right support, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it feels impossible. Yeah. I mean, you're already dealing with the identity shift and your body feeling foreign and a whole new set of responsibilities and sleepless nights. And I wanted to bring access, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to bring fun and community. And that's what, I mean, I'm so proud of our programs because they're really fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun to go as a parent. It's fun to go as a child. Yeah. I, I, first of all, your space is amazing. And I want to talk about your decision to open up in Palm Beach and just what Zen Hippo is and to offer, you know, what you guys offer everyone. It seems as though you're bringing your knowledge and your experience from New York and you're bringing it to Palm Beach. So why Zen Hippo? Again, when I had a child and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with her, yeah. I was really lucky that when I was in New York, I went to pretty much every class you can imagine. Back-to-back yep. -back master's programs, I had been working full-time, and then suddenly I was home with a baby and I had no shape to my day. And I was looking for some structure. So I first went to a class at the 92nd Street Y, a yep. baby massage class. Oh. And I fell in love because I realized that in these sort of programs, you had community, meeting education, meeting play. And I just felt so much more whole mm -hmm. after going to that class. And maybe it wasn't solely about learning baby massage, but of course, we did incorporate that into our day-to-day -day lives, but it was about having that connection, having a place to go. So I I pretty much started going to at least a class every day because it was like an anchor in our day. And mm -hmm. it made me feel, I don't know, more human. Right. You had more, a purpose. Exactly. In addition to being a mom, you exactly. had And purpose. there were so many high-quality classes mm -hmm. in New York. And when I came to Palm Beach, I was like, wow, there really isn't anything. So I, I definitely, you know, I learned a lot from some of those classes in New York. I found some really high-quality educators in Palm Beach. We have some programs that are proprietary, which mm -hmm. we designed. And then we, of course, sought out amazing educators like yourself who had programs that were operating and that were, you know, proven to be successful. So we were really happy that you could come on board. Thank you. And then we were really lucky that some local organizations took a chance on us mm -hmm. because I really believe deeply in connecting families to nature. Mm -hmm. I believe that nature is the greatest classroom. There is so much a child can learn just by being outside. Yeah. We all feel better by being outside. Right. The if energy. You, the energy. Absolutely. If you've ever been stuck inside with a toddler and they're having a hard time, go outside. Yep. Everything is, it's, for me, it's the solution to so many things. Yep. We have the Anorn Sculpture Gardens, mm -hmm. which is an amazing nonprofit that welcomes us uh, twice a week. And it is just this beautiful little refuge. And we also go to Pan's Garden, which mm -hmm. is managed by the Preservation Foundation of Palm Beach. It's Florida's first all-native botanical garden. And personally, I walk in and it's just like, 
It's Zen. <sighs> yeah. And I know that goes back to the name Zen Hippo, which I do yes. want to ask why Zen Hippo. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, both your spaces are just Zen. You feel good when you walk in or walk out technically. Yeah. And we're, we're lucky there are a couple other places that have uh, welcomed us, yep. the Hive and the Square. And we've had just an incredible demand and such an amazing response from the community. So we continue to try to grow and meet, meet that. I think that's great. And I hope you do continue to grow. So yeah. why the name? Why Zen Hippo? So you think of new motherhood or new parenthood, and Zen is probably not the word that comes to <laughs> mind. Yeah. It's sort of like your whole world is turned upside down. Yep. And hippos represent maternal clarity, calm in crisis. Uh, I think they're often thought of as really playful animals, mm-hmm. but they're also really fierce. And I, I just really liked the way they, they came together. And we're we're really trying to bring that Zen to families, but also the play really recognize the strengths that families have mm-hmm. already. And it's, it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun, playful name. I love it. I love it. It's different, but I love it. It's it's a good different, you know, there's meaning behind it. Yes, Which absolutely. I think is important. So as a business owner myself, you know, I understand the intricacies of just starting a new business, the competition, trying to find the right teachers. What's, you know, the method to your madness? So it definitely was a growing process for me because I've always worked in public education, in nonprofit, in, in government. Mm-hmm. So this was a whole new thing for me. I've done a lot of program management, but it's it's different when mm-hmm. it's a business. And I really enjoy the curriculum development. I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy working with people. But f- figuring out all that other stuff was mm-hmm. was a learning curve for me, but fun. It's always fun to, to rise to new challenges. But I think, you know, and initially it was just finding like-minded, professionals in the community and they all felt really motivated by our mission. Mm-hmm. I think what we're offering is a little bit different. Even even in the, all the programs we went to in New York, there's there's a real mindfulness to it. There's real theory involved mm-hmm. and a lens that's very specific to early childhood. What services do you offer? Play, music, massage. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you guys offer in these spaces. So we do a wide variety uh, for really new infants. We have a class called Baby Connect, and we bring moms together. We do some singing. We do some talking. And we also learn about infant massage, which I just absolutely love. I mm-hmm. think it's an, nurturing touch is an amazing way to understand your child's language. Yeah. And what I mean by language is not spoken language, but we know that babies communicate. In yeah, nonverbal. Non- exactly. Yeah. There's so much research behind it as well. And it's just a beautiful practice to incorporate into your home. Yeah. We have yoga classes with an amazing yoga teacher who is also a mastered educator, Nature Sense, mm-hmm. Nature Sense, which is like my baby. Yeah. And each class we focus on a different natural theme and we explore it through children's literature, through multi-sensory play, through music, through movement. I'd say just about all of our programs incorporate all of that. Multi-sensory play, Mm -hmm. music, movement, children's literature. And I think that formula is really what makes us really special. But we have classes focused on building. We have nature sense classes. We have this amazing music together class Mm -hmm. with a local educator who is just phenomenal. We have a very process-focused art class that's very much inspired by nature. Uh, we have a toddler cooking class, which I've I seen that. I love, love. that. It's yeah. called Taste Buds, and it's so fun. And The cutest we, name, too. Yeah, thank you. We always use a children's book as a jump-off point, yep. and we're really encouraging the parents to kind of keep their hands off and mm-hmm. let the kids Explore. have autonomy. And we know that when children feel capable, they feel so much more confident. But yeah, we have a, we have a wide variety. So you have really, it all. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, every week we do different tips and 
you're actually talking about half the tips I'm really doing because you want to use music incorporated into their daily routine. Mm -hmm. So for us, I always say, you know, don't sing the song. Sing half the song and let your child finish the song. We talk a lot about routine, which I know a lot of your classes do a lot of routine and really getting the children used to it. Um, We do a lot of gesturing. And one of the tips I actually am going to be talking about today is using visuals in addition to speaking. Mm -hmm. I love how you guys have books between, you know, as you said, a book before your class because you're showing them what you're going to be doing or even just what you're talking about. You know, you always want to use gestures and visuals and there's so many elements that I think you know from your education that you're incorporating in the classes. So I think that's fabulous. Thank you. Well, we we just absolutely loved watching watching your teacher bring your class to life. Thank you. So hands-on and so much of what we care about at San Hippo. Thank you. And it seems as though you also do teaching, right? You kind of have these lecture series. Yeah, so we do a talk series. We bring in local experts on pediatric development, on parenting, on maternal wellness, and it's been really great. I mean, so there, there's a wonderful amount of expertise in the community, but sometimes it can be hard to find, especially because there's so many people who are new to South Florida yeah. in the community. We had a pediatric doctor come in and talk to us all about emergency medicine and just answer all the questions under the sun. We had a mastered educator come and talk about compassionate parenting, which was really well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of families are talking about gentle parenting and almost sort of like reparenting yourself and making really conscious decisions Mm -hmm. about how you want to communicate with your child. We are going to do a whole panel on related and therapeutic services, and I'm really hoping you'll join us. I would love to. That world can be really hard to navigate when you need those supports. I had a parent come to me who is in a bunch of our programs and found out her child needed some pretty intensive supports, Mm -hmm. and she was so nervous because she felt like, wow, this is his destiny. And we were able to really change the conversation because Mm -hmm. it's like, no, actually getting the early intervention can really change his trajectory. And just because he needs these supports now doesn't mean he's going to need them lifelong. Absolutely. Yep. We were talking about that recently in a podcast, how early intervention – it's not not a negative. If anything, you're helping your child out sooner and you're going to give them the – I guess, world that they maybe, if you waited a year or so, you know, they wouldn't have that. So Mm -hmm. I think early intervention, um, but I would love to come and talk and teach about tongue ties and just speech therapy and any questions your moms have. I think that's fabulous that you really give the opportunity and the environment for people to ask these questions because most people don't feel comfortable. And you're creating that safe space for them to feel comfortable to talk and relate to people and ask questions. Yeah, I think the discourse is really changing. I think mm-hmm. historically there was a lot of stigma around needing that extra support. Yeah. And also that sort of wait and see and not necessarily listening to your instincts yep. when you as a parent feel like, you know, something's off. Yeah. I mean, there's a fine line between the anxiety that comes with being a new parent, but ultimately I really do believe in that inner voice. And mm-hmm. if you as a parent feel like, you know, I think my child needs a little help. Mm-hmm. Like something doesn't feel right to yep. me. You need to act on that. Absolutely. And even – I believe sometimes that when you leave a doctor's office, they're like, no, you're good. Your kid's good. Don't worry about it. But you have this instinct. And I don't have children yet, but I do have three nieces. Mm-hmm. And I I feel that instinct for them. And I know my sister, she always has to listen to her gut rather than just what everyone else is saying. So, yeah, I think that's really important. And how involved do you want the parents and caretakers in your class? I know that they have to stick around for the class. Mm-hmm. We really believe that a parent is a child's best teacher, that when a parent comes and they're singing, if they're engaged, if they're observing what they're collecting in nature to do whatever art project we're doing Mm -hmm. and the great create that day, the child is so much more likely to get engaged. And it's not just just parents. We have 
grandparents who come, we have caregivers, whoever that adult is in that child's life that's making them feel well cared for. We really, we want them there. We mm -hmm. need them there actually because these children are zero to three yeah. and we are not separating. Yep. We're not a preschool uh, or a play-based program that requires the attendance of a, of a parent. But we also see those connections really growing within class. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that you're not doing at home. And also as parents or as caregivers, we're so over committed. We are focusing on a million things at home. If you're home, you're thinking about the next meal you have to make, the next meeting you have to go to, the commitment you made three days ago. But when you're in our class, the hope is that you're really there, mm -hmm. that you're really present, and that you really can connect with your child Absolutely. and with the other adults in the, in the space. Yeah. It's a chance for them to socialize you know, and meet new people and meet moms. And it's somewhat like school, you know, people are making friends in your class, which yeah. I know with our classes, that's one of our goals. You know, you want moms to feel comfortable to have this new community of people they can speak to. Absolutely. Do you plan to expand? What's kind of the future of Zen Hippo? Yeah. So, I mean, we just started in the fall. Yep. Every time we open registration for a new semester and I feel those sort of butterflies, my husband reminds me of our conversation in July when I opened, yep. open, open registration. He was like, remember when you thought no one would sign up? And now we open registration, everything nearly explodes. It, yeah. We're we're full. We're by, we're in we're capacity and within five minutes. Wow. Which broke so, the internet. Yeah, we broke the internet. I'm so grateful. I mean, we have such an amazing community in Palm Beach and West Palm and families have been so receptive and so supportive and so engaged and so grateful. So, you know, my first goal is really to meet the need there because we have so many families who've been wanting to come to our programs who haven't been able to get a seat yet. Yep. So, yeah, we're hoping to continue to add sections, to continue to find high-quality teachers mm -hmm. who can commit, and possibly to expanding. We're looking at Boca. We're looking at Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter. That's great. Maybe Miami. Maybe partnership with Andy in Miami. We are here. But I, I really do believe we have something really unique. It's, yeah. it's really well thought out, and we've been lucky to find amazing teachers. So we'll see. I'm excited for you. You know, when we first started talking, feels like years ago, but it was last summer, yeah. really. Other than us being somewhat neighbors in New York City, you know, when we started talking about it, I think you had like three classes at the time, mm -hmm. and then you were looking for more and asking for advice. And it's crazy how it's just this community grew. I mean, look, what, eight months, something like that? It's, it's yeah. really crazy how just this happens. So one thing that we talk about on a few of our podcasts is really just how social media has you know, taken over the world. For mm -hmm. me, I posted one class a few summers ago during COVID and it blew up. Yeah. So how has social media really impacted your business? So social media is really our only marketing tool. We have no PR. We have no media director. I am the social media you are maven. <laughs> but it's how we communicate with our families. Yeah. It's given us a direct pipeline to our community. I've met some really amazing local moms, one who just shared our spring festival and so many new people have been learning about us. So, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with social media like so many of us do. Yep. You know, I like to keep some of my privacy and have some boundaries. But at the same time, it's been such a wonderful vehicle to communicate with families and to really showcase what we do. Because like I said, so much of this is multi-sensory. So to be able to share the materials and to be able to share many of the things that we do that you can incorporate into mm -hmm. your home has been a gift. Absolutely. And, you know, for those who don't follow, follow We Are Zen Hippo on Instagram. I personally love when you guys post even just your speaker series and just different things that maybe I don't even think of as a professional and just you mm -hmm. give people ideas and it's not copying. It's really just inspiring other people. So I love your page and I think what you guys share is really important. Well, thank you. And thank you for following along. I love yours as well. Of course. Thank you. One last question I had for you. So how 
do moms and or do you guide your moms to choosing classes? You know, I let's say I'm a new mom, I have a four month old. Mm-hmm. How do I know? Can I? Is there a limit to what I can sign up for? How do I know what class is appropriate for my child? Yeah, so some of it is age based. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a really lovely infant music class called Tots in Tune with a local music therapist. Cute. We have that Baby Connect class. We yep. have Sunshine Yoga Babies, which is incorporates some massage and some yoga. So there are some programs that are just developmentally appropriate yep. for the younger age group, but we also also have some that include a wider age range. So Nature Sense, for example, we welcome babies nine months to toddlers three years. And we're what's great is that even though they're interacting with the same materials, they're able to interact in a very different way. So we have families who are coming back to us for that same class, even though the curriculum isn't necessarily changing, though like based on the season, sometimes we make mm-hmm. some modifications. But the way their child interacts from, with the materials from semester to semester semester to semester, the way they're able to start singing the lyrics and then they start waving for our hello It's song. that routine. Yes. Yep. It's the routine. It's the repetition. And it's also them getting comfortable. So yep. even just from the first class to the 10th class in a semester, first you'll see, you know, they're kind of hanging on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're clinging to their caregiver. And then they start taking some steps away and they're like, wow, I'm safe here. You're staying. Right. I recognize these people. Exactly. And that evolution is really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that's probably my favorite part of what you guys do. It's not a one semester thing and then it changes. You know, it's familiar faces and really Mm -hmm. just allowing children to get used to that repetition and that routine. And I think that's awesome. So where can our listeners find you? Where can they sign up for classes? So we have a website. We're www.wearezenhippo.com. We are also also on Instagram, it is We Are Zen Hippo, and it's pretty easy. Everything's pretty turnkey. Uh, all you do is click now, and you can see what we have available. And if you don't live too close to us and can't join us for a full semester class, we do some fun drop-ins. Okay. We do a monthly drop-in of Nature Sense at the Square. I think April already filled up, but May and June have some space. And we're doing a really exciting spring festival at the Square as well, which will incorporate a number of our programs. So there'll be all sorts of multisensory exploration. We'll be making flower arrangements. We're doing a rooted family yoga, very tree-inspired. We'll be reading a favorite book of mine called Touch the Ma- Tap the Magic Tree, which yep. maybe you know. Yep. And we'll also have music. We will be doing music together with one of Miss Tracy's teachers, one of our amazing local educators. So come visit us. We would love to meet you and your little one. Great. So a lot of moms in our Tata community and just parents in general really struggle with the balance of raising a family and then working and being a working professional and just trying to find the time for all of it. So what's, you know, your go-to? Do you have any tips for our community of just how you really can raise three children, then go to Zen Hippo and manage to raise a whole community? Yeah, I wish there was a trick. I wish there was a (laughs) a magic formula. It's hard. And I don't think that you can do all things excellently at the same time. I think there are always compromises. And when I found out I was pregnant with a third, I was really excited, but also really fearful. And what I was most fearful about was that I I wouldn't be able to give enough to the two kids I already had. And I think that they felt that a little bit too. They even asked me, they're like, but what about me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, your heart grows and expands and somehow your calendar does. A day in a life is 
pretty hectic. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm I'm up breastfeeding my little one, and then my other two, thank goodness, are pretty independent. They're getting themselves stressed. But even today, I was been so excited about this, and then of course there's a stomach ache, yep. and then maybe I can't make it. It's busy. It's busy, yeah. and I think you know, staying organized really helps. My partner's really supportive, and we have shared calendars. That sometimes feels like that's our main vehicle of communication. Yep. I think the hard thing for women in particular is that when, whether you're working outside of the home or working inside the home, typically a, a little bit of an asymmetrical balance in a partnership if mm -hmm. you're lucky enough to have a partner. And even if you're working outside the home, the number of responsibilities you have within the home don't necessarily diminish. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a juggle. It's, yes. it's and a juggle and it's hard. And I do my best to prioritize the important things and also to keep friendships because yeah. for me, friendships with the women in my life are really healing mm -hmm. and really feed me. And I know that every day I need to have some connection with my girlfriends. Absolutely. Beyond just my kids and which of course feed my soul as well. Yep. And I, th I think your answer is perfect. It's not easy. You know, a lot of people, especially in social media, like to somewhat pretend that it is and that it's a dream. And yes, it might be a dream, but mm -hmm. you also can have days where you struggle or really need to rely on your partner more or even just have no one. Some people don't have anyone to rely on. And I think that's the perfect answer where you try your best. You seem like you're doing a great job. So I give you major credit for that. But there are probably days where it's just, you know, we'll see yeah. how it goes day by day. There are days that are really hard. I I try to do my best to stay engaged in my children's schools, to stay engaged in their life, to really give them. But I, I, I think, I mean, with little kids, quantity is really important. But mm -hmm. I do think that quality is pretty central. And even if you have an hour with your child in one day, if you're really giving them your focused attention, if you can put your phone away, because we all don't really have any like work-life boundaries anymore, yeah. that can be very meaningful. And then also to just give yourself a little grace. You know, I, I do believe in gentle parenting. I know yep. there's been some articles pushing back on it lately, but I yell sometimes yeah. and I lose my cool. And just the other night, I apologized to my daughter because she wasn't helping me clean the playroom. I just told you how <laughs> maniacally organized yes. I am. And I told her that she was being bratty. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I used that word. And I, I apologized to her later. I was like, I should never have called you a name that wasn't right. And I think showing your children that you are flawed. and How to apologize. How to apologize. It gives them the opportunity to, to grow themselves. I yeah. actually read um, a quote on Instagram recently mm -hmm. about motherhood. And I follow a lot of these blogs. And pages, and it actually said, you know, apologize to your children when necessary because that will teach them how to be empathetic and apologize to other people in their classroom or other people in their environment. So I think, you know, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I have a hard time apologizing, is not easy. Not at all. I like to think that I'm always right, but yeah. I apologize to them in particular so that they will in turn be able to do the same. Perfect. I yeah. think that's great. Tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Okay, I'll do too. One is that I'm I can get a, I'm I can be a little messy, but I also am pretty I'm at the same time I'm compulsively organized. I find it hard to focus in messy spaces. Yep, I agree. So we did now recently launch a new service in partnership with a local designer and we are doing play spaces. So I really believe that an organized and well curated and developmentally appropriate play space nurtures play that is mindful, that is Absolutely. Deep, that is imaginative. So now we are working with families in our community to either refresh or overhaul or start fresh in a play space. And whether it's 
we're curating all the toys that you have in there or just making it functional so it really works for you so it's accessible for your child so you don't have to intervene into every moment. I'm constantly reworking my own play space, but it's always a, a fun, yep. it's a labor of love. And then another thing, I became a vegetarian at age six. Wow. And my family, I, I started eating fish in my early 20s when I spent some time living in Spain. I am bilingual. Uh, and we have a new Spanish class called Hola Amigos, which that I'm is really important. excited about. It's so fun and also incorporates all the multi-sensory play, lots yep. of music and movement. Can I join that at the age of 31? You can. <laughs> Great. You can. I can sing you all our songs. Um, but my kids were raised pescatarian. My eldest became a vegan. Wow. So she's super opinionated, very mature, really respect her Her strong moral code. But That's not easy at that age. It's I not, it's not give her easy. major credit. But uh, it's exciting to see how kids really can internalize things mm -hmm. and take it to a whole other level. So that's been fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great. That's actually a great fun fact. That's really cool. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to visit Talking With Tata on Instagram and on Facebook.